Hello and welcome to the Cars.coza podcast studio. My name is Chiro de Siena and I am delighted to be joined by Sasha Zauer, MD of Audi South Africa today. Sasha, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you very much for this uh, pleasant and warm welcome, Ciro. I'm uh, happy and excited to be with you here at Cars.coza in uh, Cape Town. Lovely Cape Town weather outside, so I'm happy to be with you. Because you're based in Johannesburg, right? That's true. Okay. Yeah, we're based in Senton in the heart of uh, Johannesburg. Okay, all right. So this is a little, a little work trip for you down to the Cape. It is, yes. In <laughs> fact, it is. True. Good stuff. All right. Well, just before we get started, um, everything you see here in front of us is for sale on our sentimental shop, cars at Coza forward slash shop. And Sasha, I made sure there was an Audi in studio for you today, the Quattro. I hope you approve. Yes. Very <laughs> nice. Thank you very much. No problem. Maybe you take that one home with you if, if you Maybe. like. <laughs> All righty. So Sasha's here with us today because excitingly, Audi, um, pretty much starting from today over the next, say, uh, six months, maybe over the, ne- over the course of 2022, uh, Audi South Africa will be launching six electric vehicles onto our market, which is a really, really bold move from a manufacturer. So, so Sasha, maybe let's just talk about a couple of those vehicles. What can South Africans expect on, on showroom floors? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, it starts next year. You're right. We're going to launch the first uh, cars uh, early next year in the first quarter. Uh, and uh, as you have indicated already, it's uh, a bold movement from, from our brand. And it's a very committed uh, statement from our brand. And I think that's very important uh, for us as well as for our potential consumers to take note of. The fact that we are not just throwing in another uh, new model and just launching a new car like any other car. We are really launching, and that's our strong belief of the entire team and the entire organization. We are, in fact, launching um, the future of premium mobility into the country in a very committed way. Uh, It's going to be, at first, three new models and six different model derivatives, as we call them, and we refer to them. But indicating to what you said earlier, um, it's also a a start into a journey and it's gonna uh, bring with it another couple of launches over the next couple of years so we in fact uh, will be launching a new electric new model every year thereafter so we soon will have an entire and uh, fully fledged fleet available of ev cars in south africa Wow, that's very, very exciting. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, with the internet being what it is today, we can watch car reviews from all over the world on YouTube. And I have been keeping up with uh, the Audi products that, that have been launching. And uh, just for our audience watching, we'll get a couple of shots with it. But Sasha and the team brought an e-tron SUV into our office. It's actually sitting behind me right now, just outside yeah. the podcast studio. So we'll get a few shots of that. So Sasha, will that, will that be one of the early models that comes in? That's up- Absolutely correct. Uh, we will be launching an e-tron uh, 55 SUV uh, as we uh, brought uh, to, to, to your offices today, which is standing outside at the moment. We will be launching an e-tron uh, sportback uh, version of that model in different derivatives and different drivetrain versions and different configurations. And we will be launching uh, the halo of the, of the brand, uh, the all-new e-tron GT, which oh, has just been wow. launched in Europe beginning of this year. So we're very very close to that launch period and we will be launching also an e-tron uh, rs gt so the rs version of the e-tron gt 
here in the South African market early next wow, year. Wow, uh, that car is stunning here. That is a really good looking car. That. <laughs> it was just awarded. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. A couple of days back uh, over the weekend in Germany by a famous uh, German newspaper and magazine, Autobild and Autobild am um, Sonntag. Um, the uh, most beautiful car in the in the world award. So we're very wow. happy and very excited about that award. Um, so yeah, that means something to us. Yeah, no, I, and I think well deserved. I mean, it looks like nothing else on the road. You know, I think your designers, your team of designers, they knocked that one out the park. It's uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that on South African roads. Um, but talking about South African roads, you know, I think the the, the debate around EVs one is it's in two parts right so so one is the product what is what is the product how what is the range you know what's it like to live with so maybe we can chat about that mm -hmm. and then the other part is obviously infrastructure uh, and in a south african context this is where a south african audience tends to get quite anxious right because the the the, the uh, dread of load shedding hangs over us all the time etc and and we've spoken about it cause Koza, we've spoken about the fact that we don't think South Africa's problems are insurmountable in, in terms of adopting EVs. That's sort of the position we've taken as cars or COSA. But, but let's start, let's maybe take the debate back one step and we'll get to infrastructure. In terms of product, do you, do you feel that EVs now are at a place where they are a comparable or better to, to traditional cars? Well, in many ways, I think, and I'm convinced of that uh, deeply, uh, they are. Yeah? If you just take the torque and the pulling power uh, and, and uh, the performance and how it's being delivered uh, is uh, quite different to an ICE uh, combustion engine car, traditional combustion engine car. Um, this car, this particular car in front of your office here and uh, the recording studio has got a 300 kilowatt uh, engine uh, um, output and it's got a, a 660 newton meters of uh, performance and, and pulling power. Sure. So that makes it quite a quick car from, this, from standstill. And uh, in terms of the range, uh, talking about uh, range anxiety specifically in this country, um, uh, it has a 440 kilometer range uh, classified as per the WLTP cycle, which is the, let's say, the uh, normal uh, testing cycle nowadays where uh, vehicles get tested. Um, I think it's state of the art um, and in terms of the, the various anxieties which exist around the usage of uh, EV cars, I think the South Africans will adapt to it quicker than we think. Uh, I think there is, especially in the Western Cape and around here in Cape Town, there is a high awareness about um, environment, about uh, living a healthy lifestyle and probably also being helped tremendously by the pandemic situation. There is a, a keen interest uh, among many people uh, I met recently uh, of uh, and for living a more meaningful lifestyle and a more conscious lifestyle. And I think those people who can afford uh, these kind of cars, they will be very keen and very interested in buying these cars. And I think the, the technology has reached such a maturity level, meanwhile, that uh, buying a car, operating a car and living with the car is just, just going to become a very normal thing. So you would not have to, um, you know, um, you wouldn't have to sacrifice anything which you are used to when it comes to owning and running a normal car and a combustion engine car. We know from many markets and from experience that 
about 80% to 85% of the charging will happen at home what we refer to as kind of a top-up charging. So the same thing which happens uh, with our handheld devices, the iPhones and whatever we have nowadays, and uh, tablets and uh, uh, laptop computers, you never run out of charge, although you have a load-shedding situation yes. in this country. Right? That's a so, good point, yeah. So you, you know how to, 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 uh, to make a plan, so to speak, and how to mm. set up your schedule. And, it, well, let's face it, the car has got a range of 440 kilometers, so you no normally don't get home with an empty uh, battery in this case, and then, you know, you, you'll be surprised by load shedding of ESCOM. <laughs> so I think you will always find the car being topped up in the morning and charged to the fullest, which gives you another 400 kilometers of range mm -hmm. in the morning when you go to work. Yeah, and commute, commuting, average commuting uh, mileage is around 50 kilometers in this country every day. So no one of us travels hardly more than 50 kilometers on average, you know, mm. for, back, to work and back. So I think uh, it's all relative. I know about the anxieties. I've been confronted a lot with load shedding uh, uh, in recent weeks and months, of course. But I think it's like charging a phone, like charging a handheld device, any other device which we charge at home. It's just going to become normal practice and you will make a plan around that charging. Mm. And the battery and the capacity is big enough that you don't necessarily need to charge the car every single day. Yeah. 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 And that, I think, puts it a little bit into perspective <clears throat> how you use that uh, uh, that product and how you actually charge that product. I, I think that, you know, if I look at myself, right, let's say I was to own an electric car right now. I live 10 k's from work. So my commute's 20 k's. It's less mm. than half of the average commute of the average South African. So 20 k's, I would then charge my, my Audi, once every 11 no once every 22 days <laughs> well if you were to use the car only yes, and explicitly only for, to go for back home. and forth yeah. you're right you would yeah. probably then uh, give it a little bit of a buffer let's say but yes. you would probably charge yeah. it once a month you could say yeah. every 20 days and that puts it a little bit into perspective yeah. that's what i'm trying to say yes and even if you were to charge it every day it means you come home and you 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 drop the the battery by whatever percentage and in the morning even if you have a very slow mm. charging speed at home the car would be fully charged yeah. overnight you know there's nothing to be worried about in this sense so we're, we're actually working with audi south africa at the moment because we're changing one of our plugs here to an industrial plug so we can get i think seven kilowatts out of it if i'm not mistaken yeah 7.2 7.4 7. Mm. depends a little bit on the voltage between 220 to 30 voltage okay. you know and 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 i mean uh, th that stands to reason then that the average south african could do that at home right they could they could just install one of these industrial plugs it's a fairly small operation from what i understand and then you've got a decent amount of charging power to to recharge the car uh, without going for say a big audi wall box or you know a, a dedicated charging unit yeah that's exactly true so we are actually still discussing and uh, exploring internally whether we can support our potential customers also in the early phase with uh, installation work at their home to make sure that every uh, customer can set up a uh, industrial uh, socket which you were referring to right mm. now in order to increase uh, the charging power to 7,2 7,4 kilowatt 
which will be sufficient to definitely top up the the battery overnight even mm. if you come home with just five or ten percent of uh, remaining ba uh, battery capacity mm. if you're charging it uh, overnight say 10 hours it's going to give you another 70 something kilowatt hours in your battery capacity so it's almost full in the morning when you leave again oh i see so what is the size of the battery in, in uh, it's that a 95 kilowatt 95, uh, okay. uh, battery with a yeah. usable uh, uh, capacity of around 86 mm. uh, uh, kilowatts so uh, it would always be almost you know uh, mm. charged to to the to the max in, in this scenario which we were just discussing yeah yeah. yeah. So we, we're debating and discussing internally whether we can support our customers um, uh, to to set up a an, an industrial socket at home to ensure that they can charge the car with seven point something instead of the normal single phase uh, plugs mm. uh, layout, which is around giving you around three point three point two to three point mm. six kilowatt uh, charging power, which is not enough. I I think. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that would that would take a very long time to obviously charge yeah. the battery. But I think that um, the, I mean we're seeing the rapid advancement of superchargers, uh, particularly in Europe, the the three hundred kilowatt ones which can charge your battery in twenty minutes or, or something, or give you eighty percent in twenty minutes. So the, you know, I, I think for me, the electric car is analogous to the uh, the cell phone right so the first cell phone was the size of a brick and the battery lasted 33 minutes and yeah. <laughs> if you were lucky but now look at this thing i mean this thing lasts two hour uh, two days you know it, it it does everything i mean it's uh, we are actually essentially in in the fairly early days of of electric uh, vehicle the electric vehicle revolution and the future in my opinion is actually quite exciting there's going to be new developments all the time yeah, absolutely agree with that statement. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm an uh, old school petrol head from my background. I'm an engineer, <laughs> so uh, you know I know engines. I know what uh, a gearbox does. I know how it works and so on. <laughs> and I like you know the rattling and everything and everything what uh, makes a lot of noises and which stinks, of course. But I must say, <laughs> I'm absolutely convinced already. You know, after I've driven uh, the cars a couple of times now, that this is going to be the future. And the future is actually very exciting in my mind. In terms of the performance of these cars, uh, the styling, the design, uh, you've got absolutely new possibilities because of the mm. layout of the car. You're getting rid of gearboxes, for example, of clutches and stuff like that. So you have far more space and freedom to design a car uh, and engineer the car in a different way. Um, so that's very exciting to me. Um, the performance is outstanding, as, as indicated, because of uh, you know almost 100% of the newton meter being uh, available from standstill onwards, and and that's a completely different driving experience. Um, and um, yeah, even I've driven the cars here in, in South Africa, and uh, the conditions here and uh, the road conditions here, I think they have absolutely their merits, and I think they will have a lot of fans very soon mm. um, in this country too. So yeah, yeah no, I and I agree. Um, from a, a brand perspective, you know, as car journalists. We've we've been told and we've been given these little tastes of electric cars, you know, from from some of your competitors, and then we're told, oh no, it's coming next year, and then the next year comes, oh no no, it's coming next year, and obviously COVID has you know really spanned quite a lot of plans for people, and 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 we understand, but it intrigues me that that why is Audi pulling the trigger now? You know, why have you decided that now is the right time? 
Yeah, there, there are a couple of reasons for that. I think one of them is a very uh, straightforward reason, and you indicated it right now. It's the pandemic, of course, which caused, which caused a little bit of a delay and some questions uh, uh, whether this would be the right time or not. Um, but also, uh, I tend to say perfection needs time. Needs time. And we wanted to do it right. We wanted to ensure once we bring cars to the market, they are the right cars. And we also were clear mm. in the team that we needed to have the right approach. And what we what we de definitely wanted to avoid was to just launch another car, like a normal car, like another addition to a range of cars. We wanted to make a clear statement and a bold statement. We were thinking about that quite for, uh, for, for a long time, how we could do that. And eventually we said, okay, we go all in. We uh, launch all the cars which are available to the South African market uh, in one go, uh, in one big, bold movement. Mm. And um, being late to the party from a global perspective, or uh, let's say a little bit later than the most uh, European markets, it gave us the opportunity to launch a couple of cars in one go because uh, the e-tron has been uh, sold in, in uh, Europe already for a while. The e-tron GT has only been launched recently. So by combining now the launch, we're combining all the, the models in one go. Um, and also we were um, analyzing carefully the infrastructure, the charging infrastructure environment over the past years. And we saw a rapid development of um, uh, publicly available uh, charging infrastructure, especially over the past two years. It went up from roughly around 100 charge points across the country to meanwhile roughly 300. So it's quite an exponential growth. And uh, we also discussing internally how we could support that growth for, uh, going forward uh, from, from, from the Audi side and from Volkswagen Group side. Wow. So, so I actually didn't realize that there were that many charging points. That's actually quite a, that's a decent number. And, and those are obviously all concentrated in the metros, I'd imagine. So where likely these cars are to be sold mostly. Yeah, mm. that, that, that's correct. I mm. mean, um, based, uh, if you compare the charge points with the number of electric cars running on, uh, on driving on South African roads right now, you would probably figure out a ratio which would put South Africa in the top <laughs> league of, uh, you know, international one, markets and one countries. To one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, from, from that perspective, you would say that we have a quite a reasonable uh, number of charging infrastructure set up already. But I also admit that this is a vast country. Yeah, mm. And I think you, you were referring to it earlier uh, that uh, especially the fast charging and super fast charging mm. situations are very important because if you want to take the car for a long road uh, trip, then you need fast chargers mm. and super fast chargers because you don't want to spend hours uh, along a road, uh, let's say somewhere in Colesburg or Hanover or Bloom, uh, just to get the car charged again. So you want to be quick, quick and on the road again. And that's something which we're discussing also, how we could support that super fast charging infrastructure. And I know there are other players out there in the market, including some petrol uh, uh, companies like Cecil and the likes, Total uh, Engine, who are thinking actively about also their future business model and mm -hmm. how to set up and how to add additional um, uh, charges uh, and how to get a foothold in that probably future business model for them as well. So that is going to expand the network uh, rapidly in my mind and probably exponentially we will see exponential growth over the next couple of years once we see more roads on the car. So it's kind of an iterative process. We need more cars on the road to also 
make it feasible for other players to move into the business, set up more infrastructure, mm. and then we will see even more cars because people are getting more confidence, gaining more confidence about that technology and about uh, EV cars. Um, yeah. So, so there's a couple of things there for me which is quite interesting. Um, the uh, you mentioned the petrol stations right so south africans of course are very used to pulling onto a forecourt filling up their cars maybe buying a i don't know a drink and a chocolate or whatever and and heading on their way and to me it stands to reason that that's a very good place to put these electric charges right because everything the infrastructure is there the toilets are there the restaurants the coffee all the rest of it uh or if you need help with maybe a tire or something like that then that's the best place to be so so do you uh, when you mention that are you, are you alluding to the fact that we're going to be able to find charges in in traditional petrol stations I would tend to think so, yeah. yes. Uh, um, of course, it's not completely in our hands, but I mm. think that uh, is a major concern for us as well. Where would you put these charges up? Because you cannot ob uh, obviously leave them to, to somewhere along the road with no, no infrastructure around it whatsoever. Uh, so you need to attach a certain uh, infrastructure even around a charger and a fast charger along the national routes. So uh, I think that uh, the petrol stations and garages are, are perfectly prepared for that and would probably, um, you know, uh, um, offer the right, um, the right infrastructure in terms of coffee shops and washrooms and so on. So uh, I think that's probably the right locations. And they are typically every 50, 60, 80 kilometers along national roads. Um, which is the right probably distance also in the future to charge and top up cars. Um, you need to just have fast enough charges there mm. so to you know accommodate fast charges of cars within a couple of minutes. Yeah. So yeah. so so the product right the, the thing you're selling can can be fast charged. That's there's not a technology problem. The, the issue is that there are no fast chargers or super fast chargers right now. Correct. Uh, so mm. the fastest charges uh, publicly available, there are some even faster charges, but which are, I would say, rather in a private environment. Um, the fastest charges in the country currently installed are around 80 kilowatts. Most of them are 60 kilowatt DC charges. Uh, some of these uh, 60 kilowatt charges are upgradable to 80 kilowatts, but still that's not fast enough in our mind. So you would uh, need to talk about 150 kilowatt upwards, 150 kilowatt uh, charger, just to give you a number. Ballpark number would charge that car in front of us out here um, in about, let's say, uh, 40 minutes 45 minutes from yeah. zero to 100 from zero to 100 we know yeah. that zero is highly theoretical let's say it's gonna charge the car in 35 minutes yeah. that's probably enough to have a smoke a cup of coffee mm. you know see the washrooms and then off you go again fully charged on well, the way well if you if you pulled into the forecourt with say a third of a battery then you're looking at you know 25 minutes yeah. uh, for instance to Absolutely. get going again yeah Correct. yeah okay so we'll, so south african consumers i think need to look forward to fast charges i think that's something we can look forward to to aid our adoption of of the electric vehicles i think that that um 
something that that the brands are aware of and maybe us as journalists and maybe the public at large not so much is the the involvement in government in all of this so uh, around the world governments obviously come to the party particularly with subsidies in some in some countries as well for ev purchases um has the audi and volkswagen group in general been been working with government and trying to uh, sort of uh, ch- change their perspective or get them on board f- for the ev movement um, yes, we have, and uh, the discussions are ongoing while we speak. Uh, as you may be aware, the Department of Transport has issued, a, and the government has issued a green paper uh, on the advancement of uh, new energy vehicles recently, and we are involved via NAMSA, which is uh, the, the relevant body for all the OEMs in the country and uh, players in the, in the, in the, on the industrial side to liaise and connect with Minister Patel and the Department of uh, 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 Trade, uh, Transport, excuse me, um, to find ways how we could um, improve the adoption and accelerate the adoption of EV cars in the country. Now, it took a while to uh, get uh, our colleagues from uh, politics uh, to understand why that would be needed and why we think as an industry that is important uh, to a country like South Africa. But eventually it was understood that South Africa is a production hub, an international production hub. We are producing cars here. Uh, A lot of uh, 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 employment is secured uh, through production here and logistics and uh, the broader um, value-added services around it. Um, the industry is contributing something like 6 to 7% to GDP annually in the country, so it's quite an important industry. And most of the produced products in the, in, in the country are being ex- exported at the moment uh, to uh, Europe and uh, mainly to UK, for example. But if you uh, know that uh, most markets in Europe are shutting down slowly but steadily now over the next couple of years for uh, ice engine cars and for the registration and import for ice engine cars the question ultimately arises where are you going to sell your products to in the future if you're only producing ice engine cars in the country so i think when it comes to that also the whole industry must transform in south africa eventually and with the ultimate goal of producing electric cars or components down here in south africa as otherwise the industry is under tremendous uh, risk uh, when it comes to uh, viability Mm. for the future so and given the time frame that uh, audi and many other manufacturers have also um, committed publicly that they will launch only electric cars going forward from a certain period of time very soon it also poses another uh, pressure on us uh, as, a, as, a, as a brand here in the, in the country to transform our business proactively and prepare mm. ourselves for the future because from 2026 onwards any new car launch will be only electric cars so uh, and by 2033 we will stop importing and producing cars into south africa with a combustion engine by 2033 by 2033 so it's going to be a gradual process nothing is going to change overnight but it's going to be a gradual uh, process and development Mm. from which starts from 2026 onwards and which lasts until 2033 
And in order to prepare ourselves also, uh, we needed to go that EV uh, route and to prepare uh, the, the, for the future. So I think, uh, back to your question, uh, how do we uh, work together with the government? I think uh, it's pretty clear that we work through NAMSA very closely with uh, the Department of Transport in trying to find ways how to incentivize and to how to stimulate the local demand for EV cars. Currently we have a situation that um, EV cars are not only being, um, they're not being not incentivized, they're even being uh, penalized mm. in the way uh, we're paying taxes and duties specifically, import duty it's, on it's those 7%, cars. Eh? It's a 7% mistaken, difference, yeah. mm. uh, you're, you're right, it's 25% instead mm. of 18% for our products uh, uh, originating from Europe. So that uh, is quite a substantial difference mm. uh, if you also consider the ad valorem taxes and the other taxes mm. which come on top of that. So you've got a multiplying factor there. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's a good point, right? So, yeah. so let's say you've got a million rand vehicle. Yeah. You, you pay an extra 70,000 on it because of that 7%, but then the ad valorem gets, goes on that 70,000. So it's actually more and than, the than 7%. And the VAT as well. Yeah. So yeah, you've got a, a tax on a tax on, on a tax, tax so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, so that that is definitely an obstacle here. But I suppose, sure, you know we've got a we've got a cash-strapped government, um, that, uh, you know, to to pry their hands off that that tax is, <laughs> I imagine, quite quite challenging. But the thing is, like you say, if we don't make this move, we risk losing our entire manu uh, manufacturing sector, which is large, and and we cannot afford to shed jobs in this country. We cannot afford for a large sector to to shed jobs. I mean, that would be a disaster. So we have to move. We don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that mm. view, and I would be very passionate in advocating that view uh, because I, I I really think uh, that we are. I wouldn't say we're too late, but I think. We are in the late stage already, yeah, and I think it takes time to prepare some, such a transformation. And uh, a car cannot be produced overnight for yeah. in the local market. You need to have a certain critical mass developed in any local market before you can produce a car there. And cars will not be produced here if there is not a critical mass in terms of demand for that product in the market. Uh, because then you would rather prepare, uh, probably produce that car anywhere else in the world and, and export it from there, mm. uh, where you have a local market like, again, China, for example, yeah, mm. or any other markets. Uh, and uh, especially our group has got uh, production and manufacturing facilities all around the world. So I think uh, from that perspective, it's really important that uh, the government acts soon and uh, I shall say with enough uh, power behind and uh, enough uh, uh, will to succeed. Uh, because I think you can't re-adjust uh, too many times your concept uh, if you want to make a, a breakthrough in this, in this business and uh, for that future technology here in the market. Mm. I think that's, that's perhaps something that is underestimated outside of the people who work in the industry is that Car manufacturers work on a very, very long time scale. You know, it's it's what about seven year per model life, and um, but but that model has been in R and D for X number of years before that. So you know, it, 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 to say okay by by twenty twenty six. We're only going to be able to, uh, or every new model will be electric. 2026 in car making terms is like around the corner. <laughs> it's, it's soon. 
Yeah. That's exactly correct. And yeah. that's why I am so, I, I personally feel a little bit worried and uh, a little bit under pressure, even if many people will think, what are you so concerned about? You know, it's four years mm. ahead or five years away. Uh, <clears throat> that's not a big deal. But I think you are exactly right in, in emphasizing our cycles, our planning, our preparation time is, 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 is very long. Uh, and we need to prepare for the future today. Uh, un, un, unless we uh, uh, have more flexibility in, in, in producing and developing cars, which I'm not aware of uh, by now. So we're still <laughs> talking about these cycles, which you just indicated. And uh, that that simply means that we have to really prepare, start preparing ourselves today. And that's, I think, was a discussion which we had also with Minister Patel and his team um, to, uh, to, to allude to the fact that we need to have decisions today rather than tomorrow mm. in order to prepare the whole industry for that change. Because uh, bringing a, a new car here into the country for ultimately a production scenario, I think that takes years, years of planning, years of preparation. And you cannot just come into the market and say, now I prepare and now I produce the car because the market is suddenly there and has suddenly developed. It needs all careful prep mm. preparation and a careful orchestration of different uh, 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 milestones before that and I think the first step would be really to talk about uh, government support schemes for EV adoption in the country and you know I suppose a lot of our audience is maybe watching this and thinking to themselves you know S South Africans love their performance cars I mean we're we're a big performance market in this country for for a lot of brands um, the RS cars are no different I mean I, I can sure the, the amount of friends I have who have who love the RS3 or have owned an RS3 or want to own an RS3 and um and all of your other RS cars, obviously the RS6 in, in particular is one of my personal favorites, the Avant. But what would you say to those South Africans um, who may be watching this and thinking, oh, my favorite brand is going electric and I'm not going to be able to buy an RS3 tomorrow. So, so you mentioned 2033, but but after that, will there be, say, support for, for those cars and parts availability and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, that goes without saying. Of course, mm -hmm. we will be having uh, uh, still, you know, dealers around. We still have our uh, uh, trained technicians. We still deliver, of course, produce, deliver and ensure that we have uh, spare parts available. Uh, I think that goes without saying. And uh, that is that is clear. Also, I like to add the fact that uh, any change is going to happen gradually, as I indicated earlier. It's not going to be a change overnight. You you go to sleep with that uh, scenario and you wake up in a different scenario. This is not going to happen. So it's going to be pre-announced. It's going to be a step-by-step -step approach. You will see far more competitors also moving in with electric uh, cars being on offer. And I wouldn't be surprised next year around the same time if we had a follow-up interview, if we had not already in our segment, probably 20 different car models on offer where currently there's almost nothing. Mm. So I think it will be very quick at the beginning. As I indicated earlier, we will be adding a new model, at least one new model each and every year thereafter. Uh, expanding our our product portfolio already as we go step by step by 2026 onwards each and every new car launch will then be only electric cars which still means that the cars on offer by that time will still have a life cycle and let's say we launched the last combustion engine model or version in 2026 that version will last and will be updated regularly until 2033 
which means production date. So you could uh, probably assume that the, ca the last cars in the country from uh, our brand would probably be sold somewhere as late as 2034. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's and still interesting. thereafter, you've got your service, you've got your spare parts. Uh, that's very okay. normal because you still have a huge car park of normal cars in the country. Mm. You know, that goes, uh, that's valid for all the brands, mm. basically. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad we spoke about that because that's a question, you know, uh, someone in my position, I get asked about these things all the time. Will, will I be able to buy and service my, you know, my performance car uh, and, and until what date? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really glad we spoke about that. Um, but you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, your love of cars goes way back. Um, I imagine you are quite a thoroughbred petrol head. So, so when the world is electric, which, which Audi would you like to have? parked in the garage what would what just something to keep you know from the a bygone era well if if i had the choice uh, mm. to choose any model from any era yeah from I any would, era any yeah, audi i would probably go for an ur quattro ur quattro, uh, ur yeah. quattro version uh, if I was uh, to decide on a more uh, updated version, I would probably go for an RS3 as well mm. because I like sporty cars, obviously. Uh, and I like uh, the five-cylinder sound. And I like rather smaller cars personally. Yeah, So I don't need big and uh, heavy cars normally. Um, although I appreciate that they have their benefits, especially in the South African context and uh, road conditions here. But I would probably keep an RS3 five-cylinder uh, uh, version um, that's probably something to nice. to collect your nice for me it would probably be a first generation r8 the v8 but with a manual box because mm. that ah oh, that box you know i was i was a young car journalist i was maybe 20 years old and uh the fleet manager for audi down here she she made a mistake and the car was meant to go to um the editor of a big magazine and i'm just this youngster just started out in the industry and she gave me this black r8 v8 <laughs> to drive and she realized her mistake she phoned me she said no you know what just keep the car just enjoy it for a week so here i am 20 years old in this supercar and uh, having the absolute time of my life and so that car is actually quite sentimental to me and those cars you know they're they're, they're actually at a decent price now you know they're kind of okay and I, and I have a feeling they're gonna go that way you know so I better get I better get moving if I want <laughs> if I want one yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I think that, that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was a special car. It, it was so interesting to me at the time because uh, it turned out it ended up that Audi was the only brand making a an open H-gate manual in the supercar world at, at one point. That was actually quite an interesting uh, uh, time for that brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're you're right. That's mm. probably a very good choice as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and with regard to prices, you're right. They are on the rise. Mm. Uh, also, given uh, the the general uh, shortage of cars due to semiconductor crisis, but that's a whole lot dif uh, of a different uh, story, I think. Uh, so generally, prices are on the rise, especially also on the used car side, on the pre-owned side. Um, so you better get going. So there we go. Yeah, get in now. Get hold of uh, get hold of the cars.coz yeah. app. It's free. There's a lot. I go on regularly and actually look for R eights <laughs> and see what their prices are doing. And Sasha, I think on that happy note, I think uh, let's call it a day. It's been wonderful chatting to you. It's been really uh, educational. I've learned a lot. I hope our, our listeners and our viewers have learned a lot as well. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you and. Uh, 
uh, chatting to you uh, on this occasion. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, if you haven't seen our other podcasts, uh, we do have, uh, I think, another 10 on the channel. The one we did before this was with Alex Parker, where we just asked the question, actually, will electric cars work in South Africa? So if you are interested in the topic, that's a good place to start. Go check out our previous podcast. And of course, there are over 540 videos on our channel I've, I've lost count actually i should probably go count at some stage so you'll probably find something you like but uh, sasha thanks once again i really appreciate it my name is chira de Siena. thank you very very much for watching and we'll see you on the next podcast thanks cheers